0: Welcome to Repitch, where we revisit, review, and redo movies. My name is David. This is my co-host. Oh my gosh, I messed that up again.
1: This is Richard. <laughs> okay, redo,
0: redo. Oh gosh, alright. So, shh, be quiet. We're gonna redo that. So, we're gonna edit this out.
1: No, I kinda wanna keep all that. You going to keep that
0: out? Okay, we'll keep that... it out. So, today, guys, we're talking about. Alright, we're talking about. We're in our classic series, and we're in one of my favorite movies called M. 1931
1: a german film by fritz lang um a lot of history behind this movie uh right off the bat you oh wait no you already said you this is one of your favorites Mm -hmm. um for me i loved it great old movie it's great uh just true genuine authentic filmmaking that's you know this is what it is um and it's like in the era it's a lot of history behind this movie I, i've realized of uh, being made in 1931 right before world war ii right after world war one during the depression era the, the nazis are rising in power as right, this movie is right. being made exactly and we'll get into that actually um as we talk about the movie a little bit more but what are as one of your favorite movies uh, what about this movie it, do you like and enjoy so much
0: i saw this movie first when i was in college i took this uh german classic german film class as an elective because a the idea of watching a movie for class sounds amazing that's every kid's dream like when they bought in that tv because there's no right. teacher that's like right. the dream so i'm like what i could watch movies for a grade right. yes and there were pretty girls <laughs> there too so like you know it was a one for one
1: so. yeah well, exactly. for
0: but like in that class we watched a bunch of like random German films and they're like very indie like a bunch of white kids going to a park in the beach and it's like Mm -hmm. it's boring no like it's classic because it's old but like m i'm like i watched it i'm like on my edge in my seat the whole time i'm like it's so well done like if -hmm. this movie was made shot to shot today it would
1: do so well i I definitely agree with that and um sorry you can are you still no 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 what are you uh, trying to say so i mean i was just gonna add on to that like the whole thriller aspect of this movie but everything is how you would say um implied you don't see any death really or like you know like you don't see the guy killing anybody um you don't see the explicit actions of a murderer it's everything's just kind of implied so like it's a good movie in the sense of like you're not seeing any violence, but you understand what's going on. You feel the si- situation. You're like in that environment with those characters. It's so good. Yeah, like,
0: it doesn't need to hold
1: your hand saying that. Oh, this is the bad guy, and he did this bad things. So, but like,
0: right, you he the, the director like carefully and intricately shows you like this is what's happening. This is because I mean just the background of this is something. So there's this child murderer in the city and we see how that fear is crippling the city and a bunch of criminals join together to, like, call, uh, to find this murderer. And it's just, it's it's like a modern day crime drama. And it's right. so
1: good. And it's, it's interesting. And the movies that we picked uh, these past few weeks were... Um, Pretty depressing, given. Depressing, depressing and somewhat random, but they tie in kind of well to the same themes of like how government works mm-hmm. um you know with ikiru we talked about last week you guys should go give that episode a listen for sure for sure um that one had to okay. deal with a lot of while it was about like somebody's at the end of life finding purpose all that but it's also a statement about how slow bureaucracy can be and how like um back and forth it is mm-hmm. um um and it kind of goes into M, where, like, you're seeing two sides with the same goal, but they're using such different methods to be able to get to that end game, that end goal for them. And it was just kind of interesting to see those parallels and also the contrast of that those two groups working and, like, coming together at the end of it.
0: It's such a good movie. Another thing, like I, another thing that's so great about this movie is that, like, you automatically think, "Oh, the the bad guy is a child killer. He's in the wrong." But there's a scene in this movie, like he, he's in front of the criminals, and they're doing this like court, like this get, this
1: kangaroo court,
0: kangaroo court. Basically, like, hey, you have a chance to defend yourself, or we're gonna murder <laughs> you right here, and. The killer, like, he's this complex character. You see throughout the film, like, he's not this, all evil-looking, like, kind of, like, the actor. Peter Lorre, before this, he was only doing doing comedies. And you see him, like, trying to, like, hold back from killing someone. And you just see the the fight. And you see, like, he doesn't want to do it, but he needs to do it. He finds so much pleasure. And you see that, like, he he literally
1: can't help him. Right. And such amazing acting from Peter Laurie on this he one like, such a great job such a good job from beginning to end I think that last monologue where he's like you said in front of that kangaroo court the way he's just able to break down and you're feeling empathy somewhat yeah you feel empty, empathy for a child murderer yeah, to it's a certain crazy extent. and like it, it
0: tackles questions that we are still asking today like what do we do with mental health or what do we like is um is the death penalty okay like should we murder should we kill one person for the sake of the community is that the Mm -hmm. right thing to do
1: right and it it also ties into the aspect of it's always kind of i've always kind of found it funny when you know criminals they have their own sense of justice and law, you know, like they have their own code that they go by. And like one of the most taboo things, even for criminals is harming a child. Mm. Like that's like, there's, I always kind of found that interesting that they, they draw a line. Like these guys will do anything to do, to be able to live, survive and like do whatever they want. But then they they have their own code. Yeah. Like they have a line. And you know that's always just been kind of interesting to me. It's such a good movie. Like, even in
0: the end, like he doesn't tell you that oh this man should die, but like it ends with him being ar- him being arrested by the police. He's in front of a judge, and it ends with that quote from that mother saying that he need to watch over our children, and it ends in black. And you were saying David before about the ending.
1: Yes, actually, I. It th- that threw me off. I thought there was something wrong with my HBO streaming. Uh, just no credits coming up at the end. Um, but it definitely hits you at the end of that, where after everybody's been caught, you see all you see is the judge come out, and you s- there somebody's making a statement, and then the last scene is that mother just kind of like looking directly at you, almost like um, Norman just Bates and. The- and Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. I don't know if you ever saw that. No, I have not, but yeah. But so I mean, this is kind of a spoiler for you, but mm-hmm. I think as an old movie uh at the end of I think Hitchcock's Psycho, uh the main character does this like fourth wall breaking where he's just staring into the camera and like he's mm-hmm. looking at you. Mm-hmm. And it, it and back then that like that sp- took people by storm you know like that that was such a groundbreaking thing and like it hit people and like it you see that same feel from this happening with the the mother you know trying to give out a warning to all the parents during that time um because it's an interest the reason why i say there's a lot of history behind this movie this is based off of actual trial and man that was going on in germany at that time yeah I heard it's crazy <laughs> it's yeah which is so crazy and Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm mean, just talking
0: about you. saying groundbreaking stuff. Like they do some groundbreaking stuff in this film. But there's you no know, before. This is the director's first s- movie with sound. You know, back then it was just what do you call it from? black and white talkie film?
1: Yeah, uh, silent, film, silent film.
0: Silent film. And they keep, like, you see the use of narration, which is groundbreaking technique. You see movies nowadays still doing it. I mean, Ikuru, the movie talked about last week has narration, and you don't see that. In this movie, there's a tracking shot, and I don't know how they did it.
1: (laughs) Which one? Which scene?
0: In this movie, Uh, I think they were in the beggars' community. It's all in one take, and like back then, the cameras were huge, so I don't know how they did that. Oh, They're going good. all the way around. It's insane, and just like other things about this, it's just such a good movie. I love this movie. Top ten no,
1: for sure. It's so it's very well shot, and um, the fact that it was in like like you said in that moment of um, that buffer between silent and non-silent movies mm-hmm. where sound was coming in, like you could see it in this movie. There's a lot of silent portions. Yeah, and I it threw that threw me off as well. Like, I thought there was something wrong with my sound, but then you realize that, like, that everything is intended. Like, this even the silence in there, like, when the silence comes in, it adds to the thriller aspect of the movie. And I think it's so good and so well thought out by so the director. You cool.
0: don't even see the killer's face until like 40 minutes in, you just yeah. see everyone, you see the community just tearing each other apart, accusing each other out of fear, like accusing friends and like just people in the middle of the street, it's so, I, like this would happen today, like are we willing to give up like common courtesy and just respect because of fear? Are we willing to give up our rights because of fear?
1: Oh, shoot. I just had a, had a thought in my head that I was going to say completely good, man. my mom Is there anything else you enjoyed about the movie? Um, I really, really... The storytelling aspect is... I, I just can't help but go back to that. Uh, just everything about it, the way that this movie was storyboarded and kind of planned out um the way that everything is just kind of smoothly goes through every um smoothly tells a story. Mm-hmm.
0: It's so
1: good. <laughs> Was there anything about this movie that you did not like? I think this is just me um being a modern age movie viewer but Definitely, those tidbits. I don't know. Like, I I can't really say that I didn't like it, but I, because those portions where it threw me off, like the ending credits not being ending credits, or like those portions of no sound just kind of throwing me off. Like I wish there was a little bit something to fill in that void, but I I hundred percent see why it's there and like it does add to the movie. Um, but if it were in modern times, I feel like. That silence would be utilized differently. Quite for sure, but even with the restrictions that they had, they just just, yeah. mm, just kids. They do such a great oh, job. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Nineteen thirty-one. Like you, got, we got to remember that. Yeah, it just oh man, it's such a
0: good film. <laughs> I, I keep saying that. But I really, genuinely love no, it this
1: is. film. I mean, some interesting facts about Peter Lorre. He was um. <coughs> He was a psycholo- He studied psychology in college, I believe, or something like that, before he went into acting. And you could see it. He's able to draw out a lot of that, like psychological aspect of, like, the killer mindset, things like that. Um, and now, kind of dipping into the 1930s era of this movie, uh, as you know, this was right before the verge of World War II. I think this is when the Nazi regime was starting to come up mm-hmm. and this particular movie was um, a big propaganda piece for that era and w- one of the reasons being is a uh, the nazi uh what is it minister of propaganda or something like that him and hitler loved this movie they love fritz lang they love peter laurie so much they like they they love they loved everything about it. They wanted to. They wanted to like hire Peter Lorre and Fritz Lang to be like part of their Nazi propaganda. Oh yeah. Um, but problem with that was that um both Peter Lorre and Fritz Lang were not you know of complete Aryan no. background. Yeah. Peter Lorre was Jewish and Fritz right, Lang was half yeah. Jewish. Right. So both of them were kind of like, oh, this is kind of red flags. I don't think we should be here. We can't be here. Um and actually that later down the road uh Peter Lory was given warning before Germany made the full flip to a Nazi regime.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: Peter Lory was warned by the propaganda minister to leave the country. And oh wow. Yeah. And but he didn't leave <laughs> but the thing is that he didn't exactly leave the breaking point wasn't that him being told that he should leave? Mm-hmm. It was that a lot of the Nazi propaganda that was going around for like the Holocaust and like how to catch a Jew, the mm-hmm. posters that, would, that were shown was this image of Peter Lorre. You know, the scene where he's like looking back at his shoulder at the end yeah, yeah, yeah. and his like eyes are all bug eyed mm-hmm. and like wide. Like, oh, they use that picture. They use that picture. It's like, oh, this is what a Jew looks like. And like, oh gosh. like that's what they use as their like propaganda piece. And so like once he saw that, he was like, This is this is not right. Like yeah. I can't be here. So he ended up leaving. He ended up hopping around to like England, France. And I think once he ended up in England, that's when his life was like kinda back back together. He mm-hmm. was able to connect with Alfred Hitchcock and star in his movie um without even knowing any English. Wow, that's, that's crazy. That is crazy. Like he was able to trick hitchcock into thinking that he knew english that's you're more sorry you're more about that that's hilarious i don't know the full details on that but like it he had he like had to use a lot of like i think they were saying that like he understood what hitchcock was going after mm-hmm. like he got that aspect and he was kind of just able to like psychologically just assume <laughs> not not like not, I don't want to say manipulate either, but like uh-huh. psychologically kind of like draw Hitchcock into thinking that he can perform the way that he needs to. That is hilarious. <laughs> um, But yes. And also, so that's Peter Lorre's side. And then Fritz Lang's side was also like highly regarded. He wanted to be used for propaganda. But of course, Fritz Lang was also like, nah, I'm okay. <laughs> and, uh, I'm not sure what, what he ended up doing afterwards and being drawn oh. out, but I'm sure he l- ended up leaving the country as well. He
0: went to, I believe he went to France, then he settled in America, where he, uh, okay. he directed a couple of uh, films in American, in American, in English, <laughs> in <laughs> English, but he didn't do so well there because as a director, he was known to be kind of abusive to his actors and crew. Mm. Like there was <laughs> a story where Peter Lorre, like he would, Peter Lorre was like in the scene. There's a Peter where Peter Lorre was thrown down the staircase into a cellar, and he, like really harshly by criminals. And he, the Fritz Lang made him do it over and over again, and like it got to a point where he's known to be this kind of like abusive director, kind of like a who did a who, who's another actor that's meant like that did some, some sketchy stuff to the direct to their actors. Shining,
1: sh- oh, Kubrick?
0: Kubrick, he was also known to be kind of, you know, not the
1: kindest to his actors, uh, like very demanding, very demanding.
0: And he didn't do so well in America or he didn't feel like they would fire him or they wouldn't hire him as much. And it was not until like years later, you know, after you know, the fall of the Nazi regime, you know, he came back and he was able to make films again that he loved.
1: Oh, that is, that is interesting. Um, speaking of
0: Fritz Lang, this was his first sound film, and he, he's—he calls this movie one of his favorite films that he's ever made.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the a big part of this movie is the the murderer whistling, and like, yes, Peter Lorre couldn't whistle, so the director actually had to whistle for him, and it was perfect with this off key, and it gave this such a terrifying tone to it yes it's so good
1: and just like with the previous movie that we talked about and just all the previous movies that we've been talking about I, we definitely see the impact that this movie has in contemporary or like modern movies that we watch mm-hmm. um are were there anything that you noticed that you've kind of caught on that where, where you see uh, in modern movies that they pay tribute to this particular movie.
0: I don't know about modern movies, but it definitely gives a tone of like mo- modern crime procedural shows like NCIS or CSI or like Bones, stuff like that. It really gives you, like, oh, here's the bad guy. He did something wrong. Here's the cops. These are the clues. And they are supposed to like have this new bow. And it really feels like this is like a blueprint for that.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Like the fact that. Again, like it's, you're not seeing any real murder happen. You're not seeing any killing happen. It's all through the suspense aspect of it, and like you said, the procedures of like trying to catch somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's not. It's not a movie about self defense. It's about just a movie about street justice. Yeah.
0: Again, I love it how it doesn't end with like this is the right, this is the wrong. Answer like it leads up to the audience to decide, right? Yeah, do you want to hear my what do you call it? How I would repeat this today, yes, please. So, I would change the races of the characters, make it to modern times. Mm-hmm. So, the director, I'm thinking Jordan Peele.
1: Oh, so you're gonna go in that direction, you're with like. Kind of like a comedy horror sort of way, but like, okay. like
0: his, like a very similar get it out kind of feel. Okay, and I would have um, Sterling K. Brown as the as Peter Loris character. He's in um, This Is Us, uh, what, what else is he in Black Panther? He's in a bunch of films, and he's really, he's a really good actor.
1: Like, I, I agree, I think he needs to be in more things. Oh, for sure. He somehow is able to do like.
0: Compelling, soft-spoken, loving, and maniac at the same time—like <laughs> terrifying person, mm-hmm. which is, I think, would be great. I mean, granted, I don't know how many actors would want to act as a child murderer, but that is true. <laughs> but I think he would kill it. I mean, literally. <laughs> literally. <laughs> no pun intended. No pun intended. That was completely by
1: accident. <laughs> uh, there any any other? Uh members, cast members that you would wanna get in?
0: Um I mean just those two for sure, but
1: and you would keep to the same storyline, same Similar, floor. similar,
0: yeah. Like similar tone, similar aspect. Maybe it wouldn't it can't be modern times, but maybe like in seventies, eighties in America when game space and stuff were still more prevalent the mob.
1: hmm I thought uh, one thing I actually wanted to comment on how like I, I brought this up before we started recording but the john wick oh yes yes compare not comparisons but like the inspiration mm-hmm.
0: uh
1: i from watching john wick i've always noticed that it had some underlying inspiration from like classic movies like in john wick 2 or 3 the, the one of the continental hotels they they call it casablanca oh yeah and like that whole aspect of it. And I notice watching this now, this movie where the criminals are all using the beggars as like a system of like networking and like information. Like I couldn't help but think of the Bowery in John Wick and like um, Lawrence Fishburne's character and that whole aspect of it. And even when like the criminals were in that office building and like sneaking around, there's that one scene where like, that guy was standing on top of like a like a closet dresser or something, and he's like in, he's supposed to be in the shadow, and this security guard walks by and then like he jumps over him and like catches him, oh. and like he like takes him out. It's like I was like, wow, like it's kind of like John Wick feel to it, even it's, though this is not supposed to be that. This <laughs> this movie is so good. Anything? Any
0: other any other ones that you felt like?
1: Um. No, I, I mean, all the other stuff, like, I see parallels to this kind of being like Scarlet Letter, um, you know, like, uh, think when he gets the M on his jacket and oh, yeah, like, yeah. being marked, all mm-hmm. that. Um, but, yeah, no, that, again, I think we've been saying it this whole time, it's such a good movie, well made, well written, and the story's just uh well told.
0: Yeah, I highly recommend you guys watching it. It's only an hour and a half, which is mind-boggling.
1: <laughs> I do want to check out Metropolis. I, oh, yeah. Another one of a- his films that he's done. Yes, that came out earlier. Was that a silent movie? Yeah, it's all silent. That's interesting. It's, it's such a, right. that, that movie has such an
0: interesting premise of two different social classes clashing
1: and trying to find our solution to to live together yes crazy because all these movies still are relevant today yeah <laughs> so um what are we uh, planning
0: on doing next
1: week david well so i think with this week we draw an end to our classic movie series um trying to catch up on um, movies that we haven't seen in the classic movie list Next week, we're going to go in a similar route, but we're Richard and I are going to drop up our own favorite lists, and we want to show each other movies that we haven't seen on each other's list. Yeah, the other person haven't seen. Yeah. yeah.
0: Super excited for that. Uh,
1: I mean, do you have any uh movies on your mind? I know you mentioned some before, but just to give the listeners a little taste of what we're going for.
0: I like, I think I'm going to make you watch on um, Cary Grants' Go
1: Friday.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: maybe a Korean movie. <laughs> a Korean movie? Okay. Yeah, Interesting. It's probably not a good one, though.
0: They probably age terrible, but I remember as a kid, it impacted me really deeply.
1: Okay. Alright. I'm ready for that. Uh, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you a lot of mafia movies. Oh, man. You do love your mafia gangster <laughs> films. <laughs> I do. Something about those stories about those underlying criminals and you still feel for them somehow, even though they're bad people. Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, should we wrap up for this episode? I believe so. So you guys know where to find us, as always. Uh, Instagram, YouTube, uh, Facebook, Repitch. You guys can also shoot us an email at drpitchit at gmail.com. Shoot us an email about what you like, any movie suggestions you have that we should be talking about or re-pitching. And as always, before we go out, a big shout out to our friend Joe Yu for helping clean up the audio and giving us the music that we use. Um, You can find him on SoundCloud. His information is below uh, in the descriptions. Uh, Mr. Panda Mix spelled out Panda Mics. Give him a listen. It's great.
0: Mm-hmm. Follow us, us, um, be Raiders, but please do share us. Stay tuned. We upload episodes every Wednesday. And a uh, quote from this movie, the first line, just you wait, it won't be long. The man in black will soon be here with his clearest play. So true. He will make it and out of you.
1: So dark. So dark. <laughs> Way to close out the episode. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys later. Thank you, guys.